1: Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. This is the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider from Learfield IMG College. Now, here is your host, the voice of the Cowboys, Dave Hunziker. With us today is former Cowboys star kicker, winner of the Lou Groza Award, and one of the most successful place kickers in the modern era of the NFL, Dan Bailey. Thanks for being with us. It's great to catch up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the uh, conversation.
1: Yeah, so let me ask you this. So Brandon Whedon was with us in a recent podcast, and he said, I really doubt the players are missing the OTAs very much (laughs) in the springtime, the springtime practices, but what have you done, or what have you been able to do to kind of for lack of a better term stay in shape and stay sharp? what have you been able to do?
2: It really is interesting times now, but uh um yeah, I mean you' just kind of having to make do um you know luckily, I have a, a few things of uh you know home gym equipment and, and stuff like that, so I've been able to kind of stay in stay in shape that way um but the kicking part of it has been pretty interesting um you know there for a while i was able to get on some local uh football fields and stuff but those have since been closed down so it's literally um and I, and i'm 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 not making this up it's literally driving down the road finding a field that has looks like it's been recently mowed and i'll take my bag of balls out there and find a light post to kick at and <laughs> and go that route so um you know it's it's been it's been challenging to to try to you know find a way to stay in shape and and my craft honed but uh, um, you know it's 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 been an interesting process that's for sure
1: so how often are you doing that finding a field
2: yeah I mean I usually um, I usually try to go kick three days a week right now um, you know give or take a day here and there it just depends on the weather too but yeah I usually I'm I'm lifting about four days a week and then kicking three days a week so um, you know it's an interesting departure from like mentioned earlier, the regular scheduled OTAs. I mean, normally I would be back at the team facility right now. So, um, you know, the good thing for me is uh, when I first came in the league, my rookie year was coming right off of the, uh, the lockout year. So it was very similar in the sense that, um, you know, we didn't have OTAs didn't have mini camp, didn't have anything. It was just straight from, you know, the end of the season and straight into training camp that next August. So, um, different circumstances, obviously, but similar in the sense that, uh, there was a, you know, extended period of time here where nobody was at a team facility doing anything. So, um, which I, I don't know, that kind of tells you how, how long I've been doing this now. I feel like an old, old, old vet now, but, uh, you know, a little bit of, a uh, little bit of prior experience going through this. So hopefully that'll, that'll serve me well and, and I'll still be ready to go come, uh, come whenever we, we get back to football.
1: You know, with the lockout, and and we talked to Brandon about what it was like to be a first-round draft pick, and then of course all that went with that once he got onto the playing field. But I, you know, I obviously with the lockout and you trying to join a team as a free agent, that process must have been very unique. I'm guessing.
2: I guess in a sense, I had the benefit of not knowing any better. I mean, to me, that was that was normal. You know, I, I had had no. Uh, you know, barometer really to kind of gauge what it was supposed to be like. But uh yeah, looking back now and having obviously gone through, gone through a lot of, uh, you know, off season programs and stuff. um, I look back now and I'm like, man, that was, that was an, an interesting time because you just, you did what you thought you needed to do to be ready. And then here we go straight into training camp. You got four weeks to, to prove whether you, whether or not you should be on this team or not and, and hope for the best. So, Um, you know, I think, you know, with football and how it is, how these college programs are run now, um, you know, these kids have a pretty good idea of what it takes to, to, you know, play at an elite level. And, um, even though they're probably, you know, kind of reeling right now, like, well, what should I do and where should I go and how should I do this? Um, know, I think they got a pretty good foundation with most of these programs, where these kids come from. And and I think they will be, they'll be good to go, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out.
1: So as you think back on that experience of going straight into training camp, what are some things or maybe just a single thing that you did leading into the training camp that helped you have, no pun intended, the leg up, that helped you make the team under compressed circumstances?
2: I think for me, you know, thinking back on, on kind of what my mindset was, you know, I, I was undrafted, so I had a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder in that sense of, uh, you know, a little bit of extra motivation to uh, to want to prove myself and prove that I was able to uh, to play at a professional level. Um, but I think I think for me it was just the creating a routine and a, and some some sort of structure uh, to my day to day, you know, approach and you know just kind of rolling with that. I mean, and obviously it, 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 uh, you know, it kind of transformed over time and I adapted here and there and, and things like that. But, uh, I think it was just the willingness and the motivation, the self-motivation to go out. And if I have to kind of like now, you know, if I, if I can't find a field and I have to kick at a light pole, then (laughs) then so be it, you know, it's a little bit of work is better than no work. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think you just got to want it bad enough. And um, if you're willing, willing to put the work in and the time and make make a couple of sacrifices here and there, I think, uh, you know, most of the time hard work pays off and uh, looking back, I think that's what served me well. I was, I was just motivated and I wanted to, wanted to give myself the best chance to make a team and, and I was definitely fortunate enough that it, uh, that it worked out.
1: Former Oklahoma State Lou Groza award-winning kicker and current Minnesota Viking kicker Dan Bailey with us. Of course, his career started with the Dallas Cowboys as a free agent. So as you were going through training camp, at what point was there a point where you remember, where you remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to make the team? Was there a moment where you thought, I'm going to win
2: this job? You, to be honest with you, I was I was never quite sure. At first, it was just like, okay, I've, I've got an opportunity and it was very much a, you know, keep your head above water sort of scenario for me. It, it seemed like, if I remember correctly, you know, I was going through camp and uh, first couple of weeks, I felt like I was kicking pretty well. And I missed a few here and there, but for the most part, I was making the kicks that I needed to in practice and, and, uh, and uh, it felt like I had a good shot and then they would bring in another veteran and I, I would kind of compete with him for a couple of days, and I felt like I was, you know, doing well and, and representing myself well, and then they'd bring in another guy. And I think at some point, um, I don't remember the exact number, but I think we had five or six kickers in camp my rookie year. So it was kind of a roller coaster of of, uh, of thoughts for me, really. As I, uh, You know, on one hand, I had these thoughts of like, okay, I feel like I'm doing well. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you know, I have the thought of, it's like, man, what do I have to do <laughs> To, to win this spot but uh you know over the course of preseason um there was you know a few injuries here and there with the other other guys competing and then it was just a matter of you know getting the right opportunities in games and executing in those opportunities and um to be honest it wasn't really until probably that last preseason game and i can't even remember what it was i think it might have been against minnesota or miami or something like that and um, you know, I think we were down to two or three guys at that point and and that's really when I first was like, Okay, I, I think I might have a shot here. I don't really know what else I could have done to to give myself the opportunity and um and yeah, it, it ended up working out. So it was it was a it was a crazy time, lots of competition. Um, but I think it, it definitely brought out brought out the best in all of us and um I just happened to come out on top, so that was that was nice.
1: You grew up in Mustang, and I'm embarrassed that I don't know this. Did you grow up a Dallas Cowboys fan?
2: Well, you know, you know it's funny. Um, growing up in Mustang, I'm sure it's 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 similar all over Oklahoma. But my memory was, you know, you had your NFC and AFC games on TV. So the NFC obviously was always the Cowboy games, and then it was either Kansas City or Denver. And uh and growing up, you know, well, I guess towards the late nineties there, Denver was on a pretty good run, I guess, won a couple of super bowls. And so I remember them being on TV a little more. It's, it seemed like, um, but no, I, I wouldn't say I was a Cowboys fan. Uh, I was just a sports fan in general. Um, but you know, between those two Dallas and Denver, those were kind of the games that were always on TV. So I did follow them, but, uh, and then, you know, obviously the Cowboys had some success there in the 90s as well. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan, but I was definitely a fan of, of football and all those great players that played on those teams. So um, yeah, it was it was kind of cool to be able to stay close to home after uh, after finishing up my time there at Oklahoma State.
1: You know, of course, you finished your Cowboy career in 2010 by winning the Lou Groza Award and then on to Dallas, and now you've had, you're working your way toward a decade in the National Football League as a, as a place kicker. So now that you have that experience and you think back about how you earned that initial position in Dallas, what do you what would you say, based on your knowledge now, the odds are of a guy pulling off what you did to make the Cowboys ballpark?
2: Yeah, I mean... 50 to 1? One, 100 we, to 1? One? You know, that's a really good question. I think... I think it really has a lot to do with just being at the right place at the right time. And then you stack in on top of that, getting the right opportunities at the right time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty you know, common knowledge that obviously there's only one kicker on, on each team and there's 32 teams. So, and, and, you know, some of these guys, the Vinataries and, and uh, the Jason Hanson's and all those guys that play 10, 15, 20 years in the league, you know, now you're cutting down that number even more. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think I think it's just all about timing and opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of it's out of your control, and, and that's why you, you really, at this position in particular, you see guys bounce around a lot um, earlier in their careers before they can really lock down a position, uh, you know, for a handful of years at one team in specific. So um, if there's one thing I've learned, over my time, so far, I was very fortunate to be able to spend such a long time in Dallas you know the first seven years of my career. I mean, it's just not very common um, you know I had a lot of help to get there along the way and be able to to hold down that spot and um yeah, I don't know I think it's I think it's tough but and and the competition just keeps getting better too you know these these young kids keep refining their skills more and more and Man, these kickers are, are really getting good, really getting accurate and hitting hitting the deep kicks, and uh, it's just getting more and more competitive.
1: You know, we're going to go off the beaten path just a moment here. I hope you don't mind, and that's about you played at Oklahoma State with Des Bryant. He was on the squad with the Cowboys in Dallas and doing quite well at the same time you were in Dallas and doing quite well. But the reality is this, and and this is troubling to those of us who know him, Des is often very misunderstood. You you have to really understand how he thinks to understand and appreciate him for who he is. In those early days in Dallas, did you sometimes serve as sort of a I don't want to say translator, but did you find yourself in situations where maybe you were talking to your teammates in Dallas saying, "Hey, Des is about the right things. He just cares about playing football and winning games." And he's very passionate about it. Were you placed in that position at all, or really not so much because you were the guy that was familiar with him?
2: I think there was there were some situations at times where that where that was the, the case. Um, you know, I think anybody that's been around Des would would agree, and, and you said it pretty much perfectly. He just he just wants to play ball, and he just wants to win. And um, you know, I, our, our coach at the time, uh, Jason Garrett, said said one time. Uh, about about Dez, he said, you know, Dez is one of those guys where, you know, when you're in the schoolyard and you're picking teams, you, you're picking Dez. It doesn't matter what game you're playing. It could be basketball, could be checkers, it could be anything. You you want a guy like Dez on your team because he's all about winning. He's all about playing hard. You know he's going to give you 100% of everything he has every time he goes out there. And, um, you know, it's it's when somebody's that passionate about something um, and you put them in these high, high pressure situations. And and obviously the, the situation of the NF is watching all the time and somebody as high profile as he is, you know, sometimes, like you said, that can be misunderstood, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think over time, you know, behind closed doors and, and uh maybe maybe it wasn't portrayed in the media so much but uh i think everybody had had a general sense that that's what he was about and uh but i think you're right i think he was he's a, he's a, he was over the course of his career very misunderstood but man to this day I, I you know i feel lucky to have spent a large portion of my you know college career and and professional career with him uh just being able to watch a guy like that go to go to work every day and practice and um, and just the passion and enthusiasm that he has—it's it's just a, an awesome thing to to just sit back and watch. I mean, I'm you know I'm a fan, just like everybody else, of sports and, and to and be able to uh, you know go along that journey with him for a large a large amount of time was 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 pretty fun experience for me.
1: Talking with Dan Bailey of the Minnesota Vikings, former Lou Groza Award-winning kicker here at Oklahoma State. Health-wise, are you are you back to a hundred percent? As I know, you had you know there was a time where you were not.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know my last year in Dallas. There, obviously, I I struggled with some injuries. I had some some back issues, and then uh, you know had a had a tore my adductor, or my groin, whatever you want to call it. And uh, but yeah, I think so. I think um, you know the, there was there was two years there, I guess, uh, two and three years ago that that weren't really up to my standards, and I was definitely working through some things, but, uh, yeah, I feel great. I feel, I feel 100%. I think those, those injuries are behind me. And, um, I I felt like in in 2019, um, you know, kind of back up to the level that I, that I know I can perform at and, you know, hopefully I can keep it going. Hopefully that maybe that was a, you know, a reset of sorts. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to use that as best I can as a platform to, you know, hopefully go another eight or nine years or, however long I've been doing this. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Do you see yourself, if it's given the opportunity, you could do this into your forties, like some of those other guys you mentioned earlier?
2: Well, I'd certainly like to, you know, I mean the, the passion for the game and, and uh, for, for football and and just sports in general is still there. I mean, I still love going out and kicking. Um, It probably sounds weird to some people, but I really do. I just, I love it. And then, and then you get in those game situations and, and the pressure's on and, and all that stuff. I just, I love that. I, that's, that's why you do it. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to play this as long as I can. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of that's out of your control or the business side of things, but uh, you know, all, all I can do is control what I can control and that's going out there and making kicks. So hopefully as long as I can keep out going out there and doing that, um, you know, there'll be a team out there that that would love to have me on board. So yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be up there and into my forties still playing. I'd be, would be a, a lot of fun.
1: And those kicks that you make that are remembered come in the most pressure-filled situations at the end of games. So when placed in that position, take us through what your mental preparation is at the moment and the routine perhaps you follow to to conquer it.
2: You know, obviously it changes from 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 game to game and situation to situation, but. I would say the the common thing I always try to do is just, you know, not think about anything. And I know that sounds cliche, but, uh, you know, obviously everybody in the stands and at home watching on TV knows what the situation is. So, um, you know what you have to do, and and it's just a matter of going out there and making it as simple as, as possible. At least that's how I try to approach it. Um, you know, having the trust in the operation of, of the, you know, the entire field goal unit, the snap, hold, and kick, uh, that, that's a big part of it. You know, if the trust is there, then it makes my job a lot easier. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, it's not, not getting too high or too low and just trusting the thousands and thousands of times that you've done this before, um, and then go out there and execute. But, it, I'm I'm sure it sounds super cliche, but um, that's really it. I try to just keep it simple and not really think about anything, um, because the situation is what it is. Everybody knows, you know, whenever the game's on the line and you need two or three points to either tie or win the game, you know that that kind of takes care of itself in a sense. You just have to go out there and and uh, and knock it through.
1: You know, I'm interested to know. A few more thoughts here about the camaraderie among kickers, even those on different teams. And I bring it up because of this. I grew up a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And on Christmas Day, 1971, Jan Stennerud, arguably one of the all-time greats in the history of the sport, missed a 31-yard field goal at the end of regulation. It would have won that playoff game for Kansas City against Miami and later had a field goal blocked. And he says, as I've watched interviews with him over the years, he still can't enjoy Christmas because he's forever haunted by what happened to him on Christmas Day, 1971. Is there a unique camaraderie among kickers knowing some of the unique mental dynamics and some of the haunting that can occur if you go through something like that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a general understanding amongst everybody where, you know, we want to have each other's backs as best we can. I think, you know, obviously, aside from playing against each other head to head, I think everybody's rooting for the other guy. Nobody ever wants to see, um, you know, situations like you mentioned there or probably from from more recent memory, um, you know, what Cody Parkey went through up there in Chicago, um, you know, because we all know the pressure. And uh, of those types of situations, and it can, it can go one way and be really good, or it can go the other way and be bad. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it can be tough, you know, but that's, that's sports. And, and that's, you know, those situations, I guess, in a sense, is, is really why you play the game. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a, a negative side to that or, or a negative side effect, um, of, of not executing in those moments, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it is sports, and it's and it is a job, and and you want to do the best you can, but you got to understand it's it's just a game, and it's still fun to go out there and compete, and um, you can't be you can't be afraid of, of, of failing. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I'm sure all position groups are the same way, but I, I can speak definitely to the specialists, and and we all have a, a pretty nice tight-knit community, especially the guys that have been doing it for a while, and we're all rooting for each other on Sundays, and um, you know, we don't ever want to see anybody, uh, you know, put in those situations and, and, and have the negative, you know, side effects of it uh, come to fruition. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're a tight-knit group, and we have each other's backs, and uh, we try to support each other when, when we're down and, and root for each other when we're doing well. So, it's, it's a it's a good group.
1: Dan Bailey with us, former Lou Gurza Award winner here at Oklahoma State and formerly with the Dallas Cowboys and now doing great things as place kicker with the Minnesota Vikings. Let's turn to your relatively new hobby. You've got into flying. How'd that happen?
2: Yeah. So, man, I I mean, this is something I'm so uh, excited about. and I just feel so fortunate that it's such a passion for me. yeah, it's flying it's been something that's always been a part of my life. Um my grandfather was, was in the Navy and and then afterwards uh, flew, you know, in general aviation. Um and then my dad got into it. Um and then, you know, growing up we just we used to we used to go to air shows all the time. Uh and and also I forgot to mention my grandpa after the navy worked for General Dynamics, which um mm-hmm you know, it was, a, was a, an uh, aeronautical company. Uh, I think they still do work, but he worked for General Dynamics for about 30 or 40 years, so it's just been something that's in our family for, I mean, as long as I can remember, remember and then obviously before I was even around. So, um, you know, growing up, I just always had a passion for it, and, you know, once I got to, got to Dallas and and enjoyed a few off seasons of, of having a little bit of free time. I, I finally decided was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to knock this out and get my license and, and enjoy the hobby. And so that's what I've been doing. And man, I've, I've been so fortunate, you know, going through the process of doing that and meeting people in the community that I've really, I've gotten hooked up with a lot of good guys and uh, in that community. And they've taught me a lot, and just continuing to learn, but, but uh, but yeah, it's, I'm I just I love it. It's it's been a, it's been a huge passion of mine, especially uh, over the last probably three or four years now, in particular. So uh, I spend a lot of my free time just buzzing around the skies and and uh, traveling here and there, and it's it's a lot of fun. So you have a plane? I do. Yeah, it's a it's a little it's a little single engine plane, just a two two place two seater plane. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, I guess you would call it a sport plane. Um, so it's, it's, uh, capable of doing aerobatics and all that stuff, but it's also a really good cross country machine too. It gets, gets really good fuel economy and I'm able to, uh, to fly it pretty much anywhere. I mean, I've flown it up, up back and forth to Minnesota a couple of times, um, over the past couple of years. So that's been nice. Kind of cuts down on the <laughs> on the travel time, instead of a 15-, 16-hour drive, it's a, uh, it's a about a four-hour flight in, in in the plane. So that's, that's really nice. So where's the home base now? Where are you living? So I'm still in Dallas, um, in, the, in the Dallas area. You know, I spent so much time here, and it's such a, a good community and a good part of the country. I, I love it. You know, it's uh, the, so that's home base. Um, and then, obviously, I'm up in Minnesota now for, I don't know, six, seven months of the year. But, uh, but, yeah, Dallas is, Dallas is home, and I'm enjoying it. You know, the weather's good. You can travel pretty easily from anywhere, uh, anywhere from here. Um, so I still, still make that my home down here.
1: Fantastic. You know, just one final thought, kind of going back to the current topic of the day, and that's the – the coronavirus and perhaps the return of the national football league how much communication have you had with your teammates has there been a lot of communication just casual conversations back and forth or have guys just kind of been taking care of their families and doing their own thing
2: yeah i think i think the communication has picked up um over the past couple of weeks you know everybody was kind of in limbo for a while there we didn't really know uh what what the plan was or what it looked like but uh I would say over the past couple of weeks, communications picked up a lot. We're, we're getting some, a lot of the stuff set in place for, you know, virtual meetings and things like that, that I think we're probably going to start here in the next few weeks. And, um, they, you know, they've sent out our playbooks and all that stuff. And then I think one, one thing that's cool about, uh, you know, our locker room up there in Minnesota is we've, we've kind of put together a couple of, Group texts and, and and chats and and uh, even even some conference calls where we can all get on there and and just kind of talk and and share what's going on and and uh, if anybody needs anything or anything like that. So it's it's been really good to. Uh, I think we've got a good group of guys that really care about each other. Um, so the communication has been really good, and I think that's going to serve us well. Hopefully, you know, once all this. Uh, you know, kind of clears up a little bit and we kind of have a better understanding of, of what the, you know, what the future looks like. I think that'll serve us well. Cause um, it's just a good group of guys that have each other's back and, and uh, really, you know, really want to keep that close knit locker room ha- that we have together. So um, interesting times for sure. But uh, you know, we'll all get through it and um, we'll all come out the other side on, on top and it's just uh it's just uh, it's it's new for everybody, and you know uh, hopefully everybody's just staying safe, and and uh, and it'll all turn around here.
1: Dan, we greatly appreciate the time. It's great to catch up. Congratulations on all your success, and uh, lots more to come.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was great great talking, and uh, we'll stay in touch, and we'll we'll talk to you soon.
1: Very good. That's Dan Bailey of the Minnesota Vikings. Thanks for listening. This has been the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate.